That Mass Truth Be Told. I'm your host, Marie Heron, and sitting beside me is Jana Bartley. Jana Bartley, who's our co-host. Uh, today on the line, we have Steve Asperton, um, and Steve has just recently, um, well, not recently, but Stephen has undergone the HSTC. Uh, is it HSTC? I don't know. HSTC uh, treatment. HSCT. Okay, there you go. Thank you, Stephen. Um, and Stephen is going to be talking to us this morning. So, Stephen, just so our listeners uh, can understand the backstory, um, you wrote me saying, asking me, have you ever interviewed, uh, or if you could be interviewed because you had the HSCT treatment. Now, many people with MS have had the same treatment and they say the say the same thing any idea like any idea why people would question you know like the validity of that because we get a lot of people that want to be on truth be told and they say is it okay because i've had um you know hsct and i know the ms society isn't a big supporter of that any reason why uh is your question why the ms society does not support it yeah Yeah. okay um uh, without getting too political and involved, mm-hmm. um, the MS Society is also funded by the pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. so I, that has some play in it. Um, I know talking to, the, I stay pretty involved with the MS Society, mm-hmm. but um, they seem like they're coming around. Um, I've actually, they put on a seminar for HSCT that I went to. Oh, great! Um, it's here in Sacramento, California, right? And, um, after going to that seminar, they had it all backwards. They, they, they were not speaking the truth on what it really is. I mean, okay. they said that they've never met anybody that's had the treatment. And um, I raised my hand and stood up, and I said, well, you, you just met somebody. It's me. And so I kind of took over the seminar a little bit. <laughs> Good for you. But, yeah, it, you know, there, there's just a lot of success stories, of, you know, from people that have had the HS, you know, CT uh, yeah. treatment. Yeah. And uh, it just, I feel like it's my job to pay it forward by telling others and getting the word out. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, is, absolutely. And yeah. Phil himself can tell you, um, we've had, I think I said to you about four or five people on the show. And one that was surprising was somebody who was actually closer to my age, and I didn't think that they did that procedure with somebody who was secondary progressive. So Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm going to be a gentleman, and I have no idea how old you are. Oh, 60. I know. <laughs> what's that? 60. Oh, you sound like you're 40. So Okay. okay so you're, No, I, I sound I like I'm 12. <laughs> so I know that in, in Moscow, um, with Dr. Fedorenko, his mm. cutoff age is right around 65 years old. Oh, okay, there you go. Um, Okay, great. All right, Jenna. I can't speak for all tre- right. treatment facilities, but 65 in Moscow. Okay. Steve, let's just go back to when you were uh, first diagnosed. What was the initial prognosis you received? Um, well, I was diagnosed in 2009. I was 49 years old. Um, I went out for a, a morning run. I was training for a half marathon, and I went out for a morning run, and it was 100 degrees outside, which I'm trying to do my math is I think that's 37 Celsius. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was out for my morning run, and my body literally shut down. I couldn't walk. I mean, my body overheated, which is mm-hmm. bad for people with MS, and my body overheated, and my legs just stopped working. Um, I did go to the doctor, and you know, I'm cutting this short because I literally could talk for hours on this. But I did go to my neurologist or a neurologist. I didn't have one, obviously. 
and he tested me with the spinal tap, the lumbar puncture, and uh, he said that I definitely had MS. So I, he said my EDSS number was a 1.5 and said I had RRMS and said my outlook was good, but, you know, with MS, there's no indicator, there's no crystal ball. I don't know what mm-hmm. I was going to be in two years or mm-hmm. five years or ten years. You know, it's a progressive disease, so I, you don't know where you're going to be. So that was my initial initial right. prognosis. And how are you feeling now? Amazing. I feel absolutely amazing. I, uh, I do things, you know, before... 2015 when I had the treatment I do things like I used to do you know I can golf now I can um, before I went to Russia um, I could run about 10 feet literally 20 feet and I started to get a foot drop right um, I just couldn't pick my leg up yeah. so since then now I can go miles so it, oh. it's completely eradicated from my body okay so so you were living with MS what like six or seven years before you had this the treatment yeah, I, I officially six. Um, looking at my doctor's records from the past, I had complained of numbness in my thighs. Mm-hmm. I used to play softball, and that was in 1995. Right. So they're thinking it was back in 1995 that I actually um, had my first signs of MS. So, um, yeah, that has been officially six years, but, uh, you know, uh, anyway. Okay. All right. Jenna? Um, when you decided to have the uh, the treatment, was it, what options did you have to weigh? Like, was it a family decision? Did they say it's up to you? How did you reach that decision and who was part of that? Okay, on the decision, I, I kind of break that down in two things. It was a family decision and where to go. Um, as for the family decision, I can't really say Everybody was excited about me mm-hmm. going to a, a communist country and having chemotherapy and, you know, what's the protocol that, you know, are they sanitary? Right. You know, that's, they weren't really excited about that. My wife, you know, she was scared for me and it was all out of love and I get that. Um, but they did support me 100%, but there were definitely reservations, you know, and again, you know, who signs up to have chemotherapy in a communist country? So it, it, just, it was a weird thing for me. Um as for the um, the decision on the treatment facility, I did a lot of research mm-hmm. on this, and it, it, I narrowed it down to Tel Aviv, Israel, or uh, Moscow, Russia, for the treatment because of their history, okay. and they had a phenomenal record. So, um, you know, there's 13 different countries who do this treatment, right. and that list keeps growing, so... Yeah, and there, there, there's a fellow that we interviewed um, about 18 months ago. His name's Jay Beckenfield, and um, his wife, Amy, I think they went to Mexico, but they've actually started um, a movement uh, to promote uh, this treatment um, mm-hmm. because they feel it just, it, for Amy, it was just, like, great. They just loved it. Now, going back, um, when we f- first started the podcast two years ago, I had interview a guy, interviewed a man who'd had it done uh, several years ago, and he said, you know, it was, you know, life or death, and it was really hard, and then he said, um, you know, that he'd sort of backslided um, since having the treatment, but from what I understand, um, they've made incredible progress. Um can you speak to that? Yeah, the, the 
I, I mean, I, talk, I literally talk, I speak at a lot of engagements, so mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people have gone to whatever country they pick, um, which, by the way, to go back on the Mexico thing, my dumb luck, when I got home from Russia, they opened the Mexico clinic like the next month. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't have to go yeah. nearly as far. Yeah. So, but anyway... That's just the way my luck runs. But anyway, on the whole um, backsliding from the treatment stuff, there are there. You know, it's not a guarantee. It's not. It's mm-hmm. definitely not. Um, Doctor Fedorenko in Moscow told me that I have an eighty-five to ninety-five percent chance of regaining mostly everything that I had taken away from right. me because I got a. You know, I went in early again. My EDSS number, the Extended Disability Status Scale was, you know, I was a 1.5, so my disabilities were limited, Right. so I got it early, but I have met people and talked to people that have done the treatment that there was so much damage to their myelin sheath that it it's just not, it's just not going to work, Right. And or it will work, but it's minimal, it just really depends on where you're at. Yeah, or it will um, work, but it'll only be a matter of time before it backslides. Yeah, which correct. was what I, mean, I think was the fir- the case with the first gentleman we interviewed because he had been in a wheelchair before he had it done. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. but that it backslid. So I'm wondering if that's a, a fact, if that's a moderating variable. Yeah, it's it it can happen. It definitely can happen. It's not you know, as I say, and I always refer to Doctor Federenko because I don't know any of the other clinics, but mm-hmm. um, you know he he says that he guarantees it'll halt the progression. Now that doesn't mean that you can't slide backwards a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. you just it just it's just not going to get worse. I mean, I've met a young man from Turkey that was there that literally was picked up by his brother to be put on the bed. I mean, he couldn't walk right, at all. Right. And I asked him why is he doing this, and he says he's just trying to. He knows he'll never walk again, but he's just really doing it to relieve some of the, the face pain he had and some right. of the swallowing issues, and you know maybe get something back. So, um, unfortunately, I didn't keep in contact with him, which is rare for me. But, right. you know, I hope, hope he did well. Okay. Um, yeah. Just out of curiosity, Steve, so the uh, stem cell treatment uh, in Canada is actually covered under our OHIP insurance. So we don't have to pay lucky for it. Lucky you. <laughs> did you have to pay out of pocket? Yeah, lucky you. Um, yeah, I, I had to pay out of pocket. Um in nineteen, in, uh, 19, in twenty fifteen, it cost me forty five thousand dollars. Wow! Um, but here, especially in California, the same thing. Going through the you know the thirty three days in the hospital, I mean, it, it easily the tab could have been a million dollars. Yeah. All the the drugs and the treatment. Yeah. And I think even in Mexico, I think it was about eighty. Where where is Mexico? I think it was eighty in Mexico, but I could be wrong. I. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, that's something I need to find out because I talk about it so much. But, yeah, mine was 45000 in 2015. I think now it's 60000 yeah, yeah. in Russia. Um, but, you know, the 45000 was the best money ever spent. You know, I, right. I did a lot of fundraising. I got a lot of help from family. So they, they got me where I needed to go. Oh, so, fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. You said you do a lot of speaking. Is that specifically on the stem cell treatment or on MS in general? Uh, both. Um, okay. I just did here in our local in our town in Vacaville. Um, there's a, as a matter of fact. I just I just sent her a message this morning. She's in Russia right now. Um, I spoke to her. Um, I spoke to the crowd at her fundraiser 
about what I did in uh, in Russia. And, mm-hmm. and I let her know in the fundraiser, it's not that I'm a rock star or anything, but it's good to have somebody there that's gone through the treatment because it draws people. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And they want they they want to know what you know what is why did you go and you know what did you do and what are you going to do to my sister or my friend mm-hmm. or. You know, what are they? They just want all the answers, so that draws people in. So I do, I do fundraising, speaking a lot. Okay, let me ask you this: um, anybody mm-hmm. that we've spoken to um, who have had this treatment said that you know um, they reboot your immune system with chemotherapy, as you said, and that you mm-hmm. have to be very, very, very careful not to come into contact with anyone who's ill. So, what does that look like? Is that isolation or? Is it still that strict? Well, I was forced to over-isolate. Um, when, I, when I was in Russia, my wife was here dealing with remodeling our, our uh, bathroom, okay. our master bathroom. So when I got home, it was still going on, and there was dust everywhere, and I could not be in that environment. Okay. So luckily, my mother-in-law had a place in Truckee, California, in the mountains that I got to stay for two weeks. And then I came home, and she also had a one of those little mother-in-law, whatever they called units in the backyard oh, yeah, house. Okay. And it was only like eight or nine hundred square feet. But I stayed in that to stay away from people. It was just me and myself. Okay, so, so you um, so you do have to have a period of time where, um, yeah, yeah, you have to sort of be. For lack of a better word, you have to quarantine yourself against other people. You you do, and Doctor Federico says a month. Yeah, but like I said, I overdid it because of the construction in our house. So I was actually out of my house for three months. Wow! So and it wasn't by choice. Again, I, I just couldn't. Your immune system—you got like a baby's immune system. It's just mm-hmm. and you know how a child is at daycare; they can pick up every virus they come in contact with. Well, I was the same way. I had an infant's immune system. So oh god, yeah, anything, that's crazy. You know, can give you a, yeah. if you get a cold. Oh yeah, really and children are germ disseminators, as far as I'm concerned. Like they just yeah. pick up everything. <laughs> Um, So so let me ask you this. Um, You know, here you've had this done. Um, You're not, like I said, you're not the first person I've spoken to. They've all said the same thing. They feel amazing. They're just like so grateful to have had it done. Um, Do you see at all where this could become an operation for people? Do you think it'll ever be embraced? Is there any kind of advocacy work that, um, you know, we could do from our end or, you know, have other people do? Um, because, you know, the price of drugs, again, I say this all the time, um, you know, the, the, the average age of diagnosis is 15 to 29. It's the post-secondary years. Kids have a huge chunk of debt, and then they have MS. They go on DMTs. The DMTs are so expensive. Do you ever think mm-hmm. that this might, if, is there any kind of advocacy work going on to say, stop with the pharma, stop with the drugs, and let's just, you know, put money into this? Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know here in the United States. I mean, I just, you know you have to write your congressman. You gotta you gotta really push it. Um, I've written several letters to the, you know we've had since I've been back two governors yeah. here in California. But yeah, you, you got to get the word out. Um, I spoke with my MS neurologist mm-hmm. at UCSF, and he's a wonderful, wonderful man, but did not support me going. Um, I've asked him several times to speak to the board. It's just a matter of getting the word out. And it, but did he say why? Do they say why they don't support it? <laughs> he can't. So that's the problem. Because when I went in to my doctor, I, I said after I got home, and he checked my EDSS number, and 
and I, and I had to re-remind him. I kind of tricked him into this. I said, what was my EDSS number before? I already knew what it was. I just wanted him to say it. And he looked at my chart, and he says, well, you're a 1.5. And I said, okay, fine. That's all I wanted to know. So he went through all the tests, everything you got to do, touching your nose, oh, toes, yeah. and all that stuff. And he, he goes, wow. And I go, what? And he goes, your EDSS number is zero. And I said, so that means I'm cured? And he said, no, I didn't say that. I said, well, come on. I mean, it, you have to say something. And he mm-hmm. goes, I can't. He goes, the only thing I can say is that it has merit. Oh, and I okay. smiled and I said, oh, you've been, I'm cured. So with him being part of a, the UC system, University of California, um, they don't agree with the treatment, so he can't say anything. If he was a private doctor, and I even mentioned oh, that, I he see. Okay. Smiled, mm-hmm. then he would say, okay, yeah, you're right. Okay. Even as he's writing notes down, they even mentioned it to him. I said, I see you've got a rebiff pen. I said, did Rebiff give you those? And he goes, yeah, why? And I said, well, that's what I mean. Pharmaceuticals are all over the place. Exactly. Yeah, you can't yeah. even go buy your own pen. You got to no, write with a pen that says a drug company on the side. Yeah, you have, to, you have to listen to one of the podcasts that I did with Dr. Bieber because I was so mad. I went to an MS uh, seminar for new, new, newly diagnosed, and one of the pharma companies was hosting it. And I said to, to Dr. Bieber, I said, does that pass the spell test of conflict of interest? He's like, no way. That stinks. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way they should be talking to newly diagnosed people. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time. And again, if there's anything that Jana and Tevin and I can do on our end, I mean, we have this podcast. It, we now have 700 people who like us on Facebook and 1,012 followers on Twitter. And we'll be more than happy to do anything we can hand to help. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And then just finally, we just if, if you have anybody that has questions for me, you, they can always contact you and you can get in touch with me. So absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much, Steve. Have a great day. You're welcome. Thank okay. you. Hi, this is uh, Marie uh, from Tooth Be Told. Thank you for listening today. Um, I want to thank my co-host, Jana Bartley. And we also want to say, if you have any questions for me, Jana, or any of our guests today, please let me know. Drop me a line at m at marie at truthbetold.ca. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you. And to a dream.